welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sage and Spirit. Before I launch into today's episode, I want to make a few announcements and also let you know about some opportunities. Uh, the very first announcement is just another typical disclaimer and reminder that all of the information within this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. None of the information is meant to cure, diagnose, treat, or prevent any illness or disease. And I always really highly recommend that you reach out to a trusted healthcare professional before making any changes to your diet, lifestyle, adding herbal medicines or anything of that nature, especially if you have a medical condition, if you're on any pharmaceutical drugs, or if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. With that being said, I want to talk a little bit about Peru today. And it's a pretty timely episode to bring up Peru again. And I don't know if uh, if some of you listened to my very first episode with one of my teachers, Freddy Puma Quispe Singona, you have probably a little bit of an understanding of exactly how important Peru is to me, how much it really means to me. It's sort of like a second home and like a soul home for me. And today's episode I'm recording with my friend Sandra Hamilton, and she is currently living in the U.S., but has been living in Peru for the past year and a half and was living in Peru when we recorded this call. And a lot of us, uh, Sandra and some other friends and connections of mine in Peru, have studied with some of the local Peruvian teachers, the Andean mystics and Pacos, which are sort of what some of us may think of as shamans, but in Peru they are known as Pacos. And I have worked with not only um, Puma, who is a different kind of Andean medicine man, uh, but I also have a few teachers who are Pacos from the Queros lineage. And as many of us know, so many people around the world have really been suffering and meeting challenge after challenge in the past year, year and a half, as we've all been navigating this pandemic time together. It turns out that a lot of our brothers and sisters and our elders in Peru are really having some challenging times as far as getting the resources that they need for everyday life. This includes food, cooking materials, and things that they need to tend to their land and their families. I'm really excited to announce that a friend of mine, a woman named Leah Motlow, has an organization called Golden Threads, and she also works really closely with another organization known as the Eagle Condor Council. And together they are joining to raise funds to assist in the best way possible our friends, brothers, sisters, and elders in the Sacred Valley of Peru. Leah is going to be making a pilgrimage to Peru in June, I believe, and she's collecting donations in the time leading up to her pilgrimage in order to 
gather these funds to help the local families there, to help our teachers, their families, their communities, or IUs. And so I'd like to just present this opportunity for anyone listening today. If you find yourself in a place of abundance and you would like to contribute to this organization and to help us to, in these continuing efforts to put food on the tables of our Peruvian family and friends, um, we would so greatly appreciate that. You can find more information by going to Leah's website, which is www.golden-threads.com. Or you can also just look in the show notes and make a donation in the Venmo linked in the show notes. And I will make sure that all of the funds donated with a tag Peru or money for Peru get sent to Leah and the Golden Threads and Eagle Condor Council communities. So on another exciting note about Peru, my dear friend Sandra, who I'm speaking with today, is someone that I actually met when I was in my first herb school program here in the Asheville, North Carolina area. Over the years, Sandra and I have kept in touch. We've remained really good friends. And we've also been planning a really exciting and powerful retreat to Peru to bring others to share in the beauty, the magic, and the wonders of the Sacred Valley of Peru. The retreat that we are planning is a wellness retreat. It's based on herbal medicine, plant spirit medicine, and earth connection overall. We were originally planning for our trip to launch this February of 2021. However, we decided to reschedule our retreat for a later time when it would be just a little bit more conducive to travel. And we do think that those times are finally ahead of us and we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And we are super excited, excited to announce our new trip dates for this fall. And we will be planning to announce this to the general public later this week. But as listeners of Sage and Spirit, you get this information firsthand. And our new travel dates for our Peru retreat are going to be November 29th through December 8th of 2021. If you're interested in learning more, feel free to go to my website at www.dancingsagewellness.com slash retreats. You'll find out more information about some of the things we have planned for the trip, and you'll also be able to sign up for either our interest form or you can get on our email newsletter list. So take a look at that. Let us know and reach out if you have any questions at all. We're really excited to bring you more information in the coming weeks. So with that being said, a little more information on today's episode. As I mentioned, I am interviewing my dear friend, Sandra Hamilton. Sandra Hamilton is a mystic herbalist and Ayurvedic health counselor who works with the wisdom and the elements of mother nature to include plants, stones, sacred mountains, the water, air, ether, fire, and earth. And she incorporates all of these different elements into her healing processes. In 2012, Sandra heard the calling from the plants and enrolled in her first plant spirit herbalist program in Denver, Colorado. She's had loads of experience since then. She has traveled to places such as Peru and Guatemala and India. She has gotten further training in Ayurveda 
And she's also continued her plant journey in places such as Herb Farm or over in Oregon and the Blue Ridge School of Herbal Medicine here in Asheville, North Carolina. Sandra is currently traveling and, as I mentioned, has also lived in Peru for quite some time over really throughout the whole pandemic and about a year before that. So Sandra is coming to us from Peru today and talking all about the beauty and healing of roses. Sandra talks a lot about her experience growing up, going to health food stores, recognizing that familiar smell and how it really set her off on a journey to get to know the plants better and to find natural and alternative methods of healing than what she was seeing around her. Sandra talks a lot today about the Hampi Rosa, which is a special and beautiful medicinal rose in the Sacred Valley of Peru. She talks about how initially she, she had this aversion to rose and how that actually shifted over time. She talks about the different ways that people in Peru work with rose and also some of her favorite ways to incorporate rose into your life, including limpias and flower essences, spiritual baths, all sorts of ways to connect with Rose. I think that once you really dig into this episode and listen to this conversation that we have today, you'll start to realize that Rose is really a medicine of the heart. And even just talking about Rose, oftentimes we can feel our hearts start to open up so I really hope that you enjoy today's episode. I hope that it brings you some sort of heart healing and that you enjoy the show. Sandra, hello and welcome. Hi, how are you, Anna Claire? I'm good. It's so good to be here with you today. And I'm so grateful that you're able to join me from Peru, from the beautiful Andes Mountains of Peru. Um, yeah, thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you. I'm really grateful. And uh, I really want to maybe just take a moment as well just to call in the Apus, the mountain spirits that I'm under, that I've li been living under. They've been cradling me. Uh, Apu Pitisurai and Apu Salasurai and Kankan is the Laguna. And I also want to call in the mountains, Appalachian Mountains, where you're at and that we can just have a beautiful conversation about the plants today. So thank you. Oh, I love that so much. And um, as you know, Peru is a very special place to me. So I'm so grateful to you for calling in those mountains. And like you said, I'm here in Appalachia and some of the closest and highest peaks to me are Mount Pisgah and Mount Mitchell. So Ooh. we'll have them with us throughout our chat today. and. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I know that we've been talking a lot about the medicine of rose and working with rose and what a beautiful plant ally that can be for us, especially during these times that we've all been going through recently with transition and change and grief and loss. Um, but before we dive into that, I'd love to rewind a bit and hear a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now. Yes, thank you. Very good question. Um, I'll try and keep it short, but I uh, got into herbalism. Well, first, Anna Claire and I, we met 
what, about seven years ago, doing their apprenticeship in Asheville at the herb school, um, Corey Pines Herb School. But before I had gone to Asheville, I did a training in Denver, Colorado, where I used to live. And it was a year training. And I was in a really pivotal point in my life. I was getting my undergrad in photography and I just knew like my third, you know, year in the college as an art major, a starving artist, right? <laughs> like I was majoring in photography and I was just like, I don't, I don't see myself doing this as like a job. Like I really am doing, um, this artistic creative path for my own self. And so I kept continuing because I wanted to get a degree and prove to myself that I could get a degree. And I was still just so like, this isn't my path. Like, I, I just know this isn't my path. And, but I didn't know, I was just like, well, I don't know what else to do. So I just continued on, continued on and I graduated. And I was still ignoring the call that I wanted to work with plants. I'd always done self-study with plants and grew up around plants. And um, my mom was into different herbs, but she was into more the supplement route. And But I'll, what I always remember as a child is I would go to these little tiny health food stores with her, like the independent health food stores. And I would it would just like make my whole day when she would say, we're going to the health food store. And I would walk in and the first thing that uh, would trigger like a, a, a awakening in me as a child was the smell of these plants because they were all in the bulk, um, the bulk herbs in the glass jars. And you know how a health food store just has like a certain smell to it, smell to it. And yes. <clears throat> so I, I wa would walk in these stores and just like walk around and and I'll never forget that as a child because it was a pivotal point in planting a seed in me. And it planted a seed really deep, but you know, that seed needed to be watered and I needed to have teachers to awaken it. So yeah, the seed went really dormant for most of my life into my late twenties. And, and I had a, a, a dog that led me to the path of herbalism even deeper because he had a lot of health issues. And I started working with plants to heal his issues and taking him to like a naturopath doctor. And I was getting really into it and getting all these books from the library about plants to heal your, your animals with, but I wasn't using the plants on me. And I realized after he passed is when the call to study herbalism, it pretty much fell into my lap. I was at a crossroads and I guess I had gone to this apothecary in Denver, herbal apothecary, and put my email on the email list. And I didn't even know that I did this. And one day I was sitting at my computer and I was about to just drop my whole program because I continued on to do a um, art education. So I was going to be teaching in the schools. And I was just like, I have to draw, I have to drop all my classes. I can't, I don't want to become a teacher. And I was like, almost at the end of becoming a teacher, like taking the test. And I was like, I, I have to drop the classes. So I was sitting at my computer and I was like, okay, I have to do it. And I opened my email and there was this email about an herbal course for a year. And I was just like, 
read it and my heart just like took a breath. It's like my heart took a breath. And, and I knew at that moment that I was doing that program. And I like five minutes later, I dropped all my classes and never went back to the education in that way, like teaching K through 12. And and then the rest is history. And I did that year program and it was a plant spirit-based program, um, which was what I needed at that time to really uh, tune into the spirit of the plants first. And then later on, like at Corey Pine School, I really dove into the more science, scientific and the botany part of plants. So I'm grateful for my first herb teacher and that email that I received. <laughs> It's so funny. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it's such a beautiful story. And I can completely identify with that smell that you're talking about with health food stores. And it's funny because um, even when we were apprenticing together at the Blue Ridge School of Herbal Medicine here in Asheville, I that was sort of my first like immersion into an herbal program. And I still have like really distinct like memory of that smell just in that space too. And there's definitely something about it that's triggering in a really positive way. Like it, it does, it awakens something within you. If there is that, you know, that seed and, and we all have it in our ancestry at some point or another. Um, but I also really love how you mentioned that there was the seed planted within you and that you needed to bring in some teachers to water it. What a beautiful, that's just such beautiful imagery. And I, I really like that a lot. Um, and it, I was thinking too, it's really funny how you were saying you signed up on this email list and then you completely forgot about the fact that you had even done that. And I just think it's it's almost comical how that happens so often. You know, People will ask me how I got started in herbalism and I don't think I really have a succinct answer because I don't really remember exactly how I found the school, how I found Corey Pine, how I even realized that herbalism was a thing. But I do know I had become very interested in, you know, being more sustainable and finding ways to support myself and my health without running out to the doctor or the pharmacy or all these different things. I really wanted to be empowered to do that for myself. And, um, and also for me, it, it did start with, with a dog that I had, um, my, yeah. my dearest dog, Bella, um, she had demodectic mange when she was a puppy. And I just remember they had prescribed this really crazy bath for her. And I was, as I was reading the instructions about how to prepare it for her, it was saying that I needed to wear gloves and a mask and do all these different things so that it didn't touch my skin. And I thought, how could this possibly help her skin if I can't even touch <laughs> it or breathe it in? And I was like, this just does not feel right. And so I did some research and I found neem oil and I worked with neem oil for her. And two weeks later, we went back, she got another skin scraping and she tested negative. We went back a month later, same thing. It was negative. So that was one of my first kind of aha moments that there are other ways of approaching health. And so um, I can definitely identify with that too. And, and even through her later years, we were able to really support her a lot with herbal medicine and homeopathy as well. So 
um, I'm really grateful for that. And it was my first experience with uh, flower essences too, working with my dogs and rescue remedy and that sort of thing. And prior to that, I had no knowledge of flower essences and now I'm in love with them <laughs> and I find them to be so incredibly supportive. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And of course, you know, we have been friends for quite some time now and it's just, it's just kind of neat, I think, to know that we have a lot of this similarity in our background. But moving on from that, yes. I know, <laughs> I know that um, we want to talk some today about Rose, and and I would love to hear maybe just kind of why you've started working with Rose recently, or give us a little insight as to um, how Rose has been coming up for you recently. Yes, it's a it's a powerful plant ally for me. You know, I've worked with different plants and it's changed uh, every year, depending on what I'm going through spiritually or emotionally or what I need to heal. But I moved to Peru, Peru about a year and a half ago, and they have the wild roses here and they're called Hampi Rosa. The Rosa in, Rose in Spanish is Rosa and Hampi in Quechua, which is the the first language here, the um, ancestral language Quechua, Hampi means medicine. So this type of rose they call Hampi Rosa. And it's it's divine, you know, it comes in the color white and pink. And, you know, as we're in the rainy season, we're coming out of the rainy season now, we go into the dry season. So we're opposite of the US as far as our seasons, because we're going into winter and the rainy season is considered summer. So that's when, you know, I've been in the, you guys have been dormant in hibernation mode and I've been harvesting all these plants over here in Peru. So the roses are just, they're still in full bloom because we're having a longer rainy season than usual. And they have been such strong teachers for me coming here. I came, you know, I was guided to come to Peru to work with the mountains and more or less what I call elemental spirituality. And it's something that I've been allowing myself to be guided to these places and been very blessed to have the opportunity to have my life in this type of uh, flow that I can do this. And I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I wonder what like plant I'm going to be really working with. And rose was just one of those plants that the humpy rosa that has just, you know, it'd be like, I'd be walking, hiking in the mountains and it would just be like, Sandra, <laughs> I'd be like, what's going on? Why, you know, and so I'm going to tell a little background story of my relationship with Rose because this plant has just kind of courted me and won me over more or less. Like I have so much gratitude and love for it because when I was actually younger and even in herb school, I actually had an aversion to Rose and it was an aversion that was very, I didn't quite understand why, you know, why would I have an aversion to a plant? Like I love all plants, like I'm in herb school. And so I was kind of like beating myself up over it. 
I didn't really want to connect with Rose. Um, granted, when I was little, all I really was around was the um, roses that are in greenhouses and are sprayed, the ones that they sell in the markets. And a lot of them were sprayed and that, you know, the chemicals block the, the energy and spirit of a plant. So when you spray plants with chemicals, it blocks that um, healing medicine. And so, you know, I would go to like a grocery store and they have the bouquet of roses that just give your partner some roses and they'll be happy, you know? And I was like, I never want any partner of mine to bring me a rose. If they bring me a rose, I'm going to leave the relationship. <laughs> like that's how much of an aversion I had to rose. And I was like, what is up with this? But granted, I hadn't really worked much with the wild rose. So you know, the wild rose actually has smell, it actually has an energy, it has a personality, it's playful, it's fun, you know, the expression of rose flower essence and all that that we talk about today is the rose that's wild, not the cultivated, some cultivated roses that aren't sprayed, but the cultivated roses are different species, so they're, they have a different energy, and when you can go out in the nature and smell a wild rose, it's, it's just the transmission is totally different. And so I came to Peru and I just fell in love with Rose and I was like, wow, what's happening? Like, I've never been into Rose really. It's never been a plant that's really called me. Um, and then I started digging deeper into my feminine energy and how when I had an aversion to Rose, I was very much had an aversion to my own feminine power and energy. And I had a lot of repression. I was repression, repressing all my feminine parts. And it's, you know, it's, it's been my path that I've had to unpack and unravel with really um, appreciating the feminine, the divine feminine and working with that healing energy. And so this is all what started, Rose started revealing all this repression and that I wasn't ready to even be with Rose or um, get to know the spirit of Rose because I had a fear of my own um, soft feminine energy that Rose can bring out. And my heart wasn't ready to open either. And, and so, you know, I just wasn't ready for the healing of Rose. So that's why I feel I had a deep aversion to it in an interesting way. And so I came to Peru and literally like, it's like, all I want to do is just harvest roses, be with Rose. And, and it's, it's healing. Uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, I came to Peru for the plants and the mountains, but also this teaching from Rose is like, I don't think I would have gotten it anywhere else. Like I needed to actually come to Peru and work with the wild Humpy Rosa here, which is the Rosa centifolia. That's the Latin name of the, ro the wild rose here. And, and I, I know deep in my heart that that's what I had to do was come here and work with this rose to actually transmute, um, like the womb space and my feminine energy. And yeah, so that's a little background on Rose. Um, 
Thank you for that. I I think it's really beautiful too that you know Rose does carry this super feminine energy about it, this divine feminine presence and there's you know in my visits in my journeys to peru i've noticed that the sacred valley of peru also has this very divine feminine quality to it which is really interesting to me because the mountains there have sort of this really masculine energy to them and so it's sort of this counterplay between opposites which i have come to learn is a very common theme in a lot of the Peruvian um, and Andean cosmovision, and they they work with these interplays of duality. And so I think it's really interesting that you recognized within yourself that there was this sort of repression of your own divine femininity, and that it took you journeying to this place that had already been so special to you, a special place in your heart. And then you were able to even open up more fully and accept this this lesson and this teaching and this plant more fully into your life. And I have to say too, that I definitely in my younger years also had an aversion to Rose. And I think I never really knew what a real Rose was kind of like what you're saying, where there were always Rose scented items and products. And they always just had this overwhelming hmm. fake floral, almost powdery sort of quality to them, you know, kind of like, you know, your grandma's makeup or something. Yeah. And it was, it always was just a huge turnoff. And it wasn't until I got into herbal school too, and started learning about all the different properties of rose and what a real rose really was. And when I say real rose, I'm, I'm talking about what you were essentially in that a lot of the roses, because they hold such deep symbolism and this archetype they have obviously become a really common flower in our society and like you said people buy them for their partners and it's like a big part of valentine's day and all those sorts of things and a lot of our commercial roses have become just that they're commercialized and they've been hybridized to and, and they actually don't really even have much of a smell anymore you'll notice if you go to a grocery store and you get a dozen roses half the time they don't smell like anything. They're still beautiful to look at because they've been bred in such a way that they're full of color and, you know, they, they look really nice, but so much of the beauty of Rose is also in the smell. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about all the different aspects of Rose and, and what it means as far as softening and also having thorns and all of that. I'll let you speak more to that, but um, yeah. Yes, I, Anna. Anna Claire, I was just I would like to speak to the hybridized roses. And yeah. Just a quick a quick note to that is I totally agree with you. I you know I I think as a child I just didn't understand why everyone was so obsessed with roses because I would go in the store and be like I smell nothing and it smelled like water or it smelled like the food right. like I was like I don't understand like I just and I for me I think I was also tuning in to the spirit of those roses that essentially um, weren't there. And like know, their spirits I, had been dampened or something like they yes. just weren't able to be as vibrant as they could have been in a more natural state. Right. Exactly. And, you know, when I've worked with clients or friends and talk about Rose, like I'm always have to make sure I specify that 
you know, go get the wild roses because, you know, here, even here in Peru in the Mercado, in the markets, uh, the women, they, they grow roses in the greenhouse, but they're spraying them, you know, they, they spray them. And, you know, so when I have to educate people and tell them, okay, we're going to work with the wild roses. If you're going to be drinking as a tea, because the roses in the market have been sprayed and you don't want to be making a tea and doing like uh, yoni steams or plant baths with um, something that's sprayed with chemicals. So, you know, I'll digress to this plant coca, which is an amazing plant here. And they use it for altitude sickness and it has so many minerals and nutrients and it's high in iron and it, you know, they use it in the high Andes because for one, it suppresses your appetite when they're having to work in the potato fields all day and they have very little food. And it's amazing for digestive issues and hiking at such high altitudes. So, you know, I'm living at like nine, like 9,500 feet. And, you know, if I go hiking up in the mountains, I'm going to be up at like 10, 11, 12, 13,000 feet. So this plant is really sacred. And I have a friend here who lives in a community um, and speaks Quechua and Spanish. And he told me that the women, when they chew coca, they, you chew it in your mouth or you make a tea that they put the white roses, the humpy rosa, because the, ro the white ones are cooling so they mix those two plants because coca is really heating and it balances the energy. And I, when he told me that it was just really beautiful to have those two plants come together and in such a beautiful sacred way. And he said, only the women do it. And I didn't, I need to ask him why only the women do it. So I thought it was really beautiful that, you know, he taught me that trick. So sometimes when I work with coca, I'll mix it with the humpy rosa. And, you know, the same coca is like over cultivated and harvested here. And it's been sprayed with pesticides as well. And, you know, I had a Peruvian lady tell me like, you got to be really careful what kind of coca you purchase because it, you know, it's just, she just made me remember it blocks the spirit of the plant and how she said it was really beautiful that the chemicals actually block the spirit. And yeah, Granted, you don't want to be ingesting pesticides if you don't, um, if you have an option. You know, I know sometimes that we may have to get food that's not uh, organic, but, you know, when you're working with plants, you want to try and get the plants that haven't been sprayed. So I, th I thought it was a really beautiful teaching that they look at it the same way here. It's like the, the chemicals block the spirit and the essence of the plant. And, and so, yeah, I've learned a lot from Rose and, you know, I also was in a relationship with my partner and, and I kept wanting to bring him roses. I was just like, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep wanting to bring him roses? And, and we, you know, he was working through some healing stuff and, it, and what I realized is that I was date like I was in a partnership with my old self of how I couldn't 
if someone would have brought me roses, I would have been like, no, like, I don't even want to touch that rose, you know, <laughs> I don't, I had such an aversion. And then, you know, I started looking at it deeper and I was like, what I realized for me, I don't know if it's the same for him because I don't want to speak for him, but I was seeing this pattern that it's, it was like, not, I wasn't able to receive or, or receive love, you know, receive love. When someone brings you a rose, it's like a symbol of love, right? Your heart. And I wasn't able to receive love or love myself in the past. And so by me, you know, every time I'd go visit him, Rose would just like take him roses, even though I knew he didn't like roses. I was like, oh, come on, really? Like, but it would just be like, pick a rose, pick a rose, give him a rose, give him a rose. I was like, but he doesn't like roses. This is crazy. But what I learned, I was like, I had to really see that reflection of what, I was working with in the past of how I wasn't able to receive love. And, and now that I've been working with Rose and I've been in different partnerships that have taught me to receive love, I want to use this plant is helping me give this medicine to maybe people that need help with that pattern of not being able to receive love in their life because I feel it's a very common uh, situation that happens in our society especially now with everything in the world and fast-paced culture and yeah so speakings on love and heart opening with Rose and the teachings that I've received and then how the plant just kind of, um, how would I say it? She just, she's just been in my life as an ally right now. And I just don't question anymore. Like when I was taking roses to my partner and I was like, why would it, why, this doesn't make sense. And then I got the deeper teaching. The teaching was for me, you know, it wasn't necessarily for him. The teaching was for me to see that I have healed those parts of myself. Mm, that's really beautiful. I, and how interesting that, you know, you had such a strong aversion previously and you, you, you even had the thought in your head that you never wanted a partner to bring you a rose. And then you were so drawn to take your partner roses. And he was in that spot, like you said, almost visiting your previous self. Um, but you yeah, know, now like, I want, now I want, uh, now I want my partner to bring me roses. <laughs> I'm like, who am I? But it's just interesting how, you know, and how the plants shift our consciousness also. And I've worked with plants to help me heal like patterns in my life. And really, I, uh, it's been a plant to really heal my heart. And what I've realized is like, when I have an aversion to something, and I don't want to go near it. It's like, I want to, you, like, it's, it's beautiful to actually step into that because there's something there. So when mm. I have a plant that I'm like, I'm not into that plant. I don't want to go near that plant. Like as me as an herbalist, you know, that's something I want to look at. And, and it's because there's a teaching there and I may not be ready. Like in my twenties, I wasn't ready to unpack that um, layer those layers with Rose. But once I hit, you know, my mid thirties, now I'm in my late thirties, but as I hit my mid thirties, I, I was starting to unpack my feminine uh, 
power and energy and how to actually work with it. And then that's how Rose started just showing up. Mm. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to work with you. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's bringing up like a lot of different metaphors for me as you're talking and just the whole act of being open and able to receive love and how people talk a lot about how you cannot give from an empty cup. Right. And it's, it's very much the same thing with love from what I understand and from my own experience in that we have to be able to find that love within ourselves before we can really truly and fully open up enough to share that with others. And it seems like this is very much the experience that you had and, or or that you have had. And, you know, I want to reflect back too to what you were saying about the coca and the rose joining together. And I'm interested too, to hear why it's just the women that seem to do that. Um, But I've worked with coca in Peru It's definitely a huge ally for acclimating to higher altitude, for being at those heights and in those mountains where everything feels so different. And Coca really is a strong ally for me. And I've seen her as a very beautiful and voluptuous plant spirit. And um, also just the fact that Coca is, is heating and has kind of more of this yang and outward energy. It's a very energetic plant, like you mentioned. And the, the, combining of the coca and the rose, this heating and this cooling, this uh, yang and yin, the masculine and the feminine, just kind of brings it all about full or, you know, all back full circle where it's it's really promoting balance. And so I just wanted to speak to that for a minute because that's kind of what the images that are coming up in my head as you're talking about this. And I think it's, I just think it's really beautiful. They're both such beautiful plants and working with them together I am definitely going to do that next time I come back to Peru and hopefully that'll be sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. I hope we can get you here. <laughs> yes, it it's will happen. Really, it will, it will happen. You know, everyone's in a state of transition right now, but um, the, 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 you know, the cooling energy of Rose is, you know, going to the medicinal properties is, um, the red roses, at least here, the what what I've learned from the women that work with plants here, the red roses are more heating. So, but you know, it depends on what uh, what you're wanting to heal, and you know that each plant has a temperature and an energetic. So, with the white roses, they're cooling, and the red roses aren't that heating. But if you need to really work with somebody who has a lot of inflammation, then I would work with the white Hampi Rosa. And that, you know, in most places like where you live in North Carolina, there's a species of wild rose. I don't know if, um, do you know the Latin name offhand? Well, we have, and I think they're they're quite different. There's a rose that grows super wild here that most people consider, you know, a nuisance because it, it can really take over. Um, and that one is Rosa multiflora. And it has really pretty small flowers. I would say that the majority of them that I've seen are an inch in diameter or smaller. And that one I have seen in both red and like a pinkish color. Um, but there's also, we do have Rosa centifolia here as well, and we have a Damascus rose. Um, so I've, I worked with, I've, I work a lot with the Rosa centifolia here, but usually that's when I'm buying dried 
rose petals from like uh, another supplier or local rose organic rose farmer. Um, but definitely we're actually about to as we as we are entering into spring here in Appalachia, I would say our multiflora rose is probably going to start blooming gosh, maybe within the next month or so, maybe like May, I figure is, is when they generally start to pop. Um, and I think they're beautiful and lovely. And the smell is just overwhelmingly amazing. And a lot of people around here just want to do everything they can to eradicate them. Um, we cut them back on the hillside here. We do cut them back because they can, I mean, they'll climb up a tree and take it down. It's pretty crazy. They're very tenacious. Yeah. Um, which also I think speaks a lot to the the strength and qualities of Rose. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we have that. We have the Centifolia here, but the, the pictures that you've shown me in the past of the Hompi Rosa in Peru, even though we do have that species here, they look different to me. So I would be interested to explore that a little bit more um, when I come back to Peru and, and take a look at those roses there and compare them to what I've seen around here. Yeah, they're they're different. They do look different. I feel they're a lot bigger and, um, you know, and yeah, the environment that they're growing in and the high altitude probably plays a role in that. But yeah, well, and a lot of the plants in Peru, like the the salco, the elderberry in Peru is like a tree, yeah. whereas here, you know, where, where I am, it's more like a larger kind of shrubby tree, bushy kind of, you know, they, they look like a tree, but they're much smaller. Whereas I remember seeing an elderberry, essentially like a tree in Peru that was probably 15, 20 feet tall with bigger berries on it. Yeah, they're actually like trees here where, you know, when I lived in North Carolina, um, some land we had an elderberry and it was like a shrub you know like it exactly. wasn't like this crazy like I live um, on this land right now that has two elder trees and they're like grandmother elders like and the berries are bigger and the interesting thing about here um, I don't want to get too off topic but with the <laughs> elder trees here they it's really interesting because the apple trees do that here do this also here where they flower and fruit at the same time oh, wow. so yeah so I'm harvesting the flowers and the berry at the same time because I know in the U.S. it's like you harvest the flowers during a certain season then you harvest the berries like there's they're not at the same time and here it's like the apple trees do that and the elder trees where because you know the elder tree you use the flower and the berries for different medicine but here I can just be like oh okay I need the flower I need the berry off one branch and I'm like this is so <laughs> weird but anyway like going back to rose I there are diff other different species here there's the rose that is smaller too but the humpy rosas um what I've people have told me is the rosa centifolia but you know there there are a lot of herb books in Peru so we're going off like old um, Peruvian books that um, a lot the locals here, like different herbalists that I've studied with, they don't know Latin names. So mm -hmm. I've had to do that research. Like they'll give me the Quechua name and then I'll like find the Spanish name and then somehow find the Latin name. And actually I have a, my friend's a botanist here who studies friend, um, plants in Peru. So I'm, I might just re-clarify what the exact Latin name is of this Humpy Rosa. So that just, and then I'll get back to you just for future reference. But, you know, the medicine is amazing. It's 
a diuretic, it's a laxative. Um, I've used it for allergy season or, you know, if I have a lot of heat in my body and my eyes are really red or irritated, I'll do a compress with rose and I'll just rose and calendula and put it over my eyes because it helps relieve like the burning and itching. It's a blood purifier. Um, so since it's astringent, it can help with diarrhea as well. So now if you're somebody who runs really dry, then you're going to want to maybe have rose with some moistening herbs like marshmallow, marshmallow or licorice. Um, calendula can be a little bit of a demulcent so that you're not getting too astringent and getting even more dry. So these are, this is just talking about energetics of plants too. You know, if I was just drinking rose tea every day, then, and I don't have diarrhea, then it would dry me out maybe too much. It would tighten things depending on your constitution. So I work mm -hmm. with it, you know, depending on my constitution. So everyone has to know their, somewhat know how their constitution is and how the plant works. And, you know, it's amazing for strengthening circulation and the, cardi the cardiovascular system, the heart, right? It's heart medicine. It helps on a spiritual energetic level. It's helping open our heart. And, you know, I don't know if it's just been with the energy of these times, but I feel like it was, the medicine of these times is just, if we just if like as a culture and a civilization, just that rose can really help us remain in our heart right now, remain open because, you know, mm -hmm. what do we want to do when there's a lot of stress in the world? We want to, we want to shut down and, and guard our hearts. Right. And, right. and what we, what, what the beneficial thing is, to get through these times is not to close down and guard our heart is actually expand and open our heart even more. Um, and so this, this rose can really help. And I really would recommend, you know, if people want to start working with it to do a rose dieta, like I did a rose dieta of just the tea for a week. And now I'm transitioning where I'm just taking the flower essence that I've made from the Humpy Rosa. And so I've been doing a, um, working with the flower essence and it's been, it's been bringing up, a, a lot of stuff for me. And then, and then recently I was guided to do a 40 day Kriya on boundaries. And it's funny cause I was like writing some notes about Rose and, you know, Rose is great for boundaries, the flower essence, like boundaries, you know, you think of the thorn. Like you said earlier, Anna Claire, that it just takes over like poison oak. It just takes over. And with poison oak, it's the same. Like when you see a huge patch of poison oak in the forest, you respect it. And it's because the land is how the land is healing. And the poison oak is setting a boundary that, that doesn't want human contact at this moment because there's some healing happening. And mm -hmm. so poison oak sets boundaries, right? And when we cross those boundaries, sister oak, sorry, I, 
how I learned, we learned in earth school, you call her sister Oak, like she's not a poison. <laughs> she's a boundary setter. Um, right. But it's good so, for people who have maybe not heard that terminology before. Cause if we said sister Oak or sister yeah. Ivy, people might not have any clue what we're talking about. <laughs> like what, what plant is that? <laughs> and so, you know, with the flower essence, um, I can speak a little to that about the flower essence is that it held, you know, when you start working with the flower essence, which you're taking the essence of the flower and water and you preserve it with a little bit of alcohol, it can help you work with boundaries if you have weak boundaries. And so I was working with the flower essence and drinking tea. And then I, my friend right, showed me this Kriya uh, Kundalini meditation on boundaries and I did it and I and it was just like very clear to me that okay I have to do this while I'm taking the flower essence I have to do this 40-day kriya to work with my boundaries because it's something for me at least I've had really weak boundaries and and so now I'm having to like come into this feminine this other layer of a feminine my feminine energy of how to set boundaries and 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 so the flower essence can help people if they struggle with boundary setting and boundary setting in all aspects in your relationships, in your job, in all aspects of your life, boundaries show up, right? And so, it, you know, the flower essence also, if you imagine it just like cradles your heart and it's just the sweet nourishment. And for us to just help us be gentle with ourselves you know there's so much that we're just like oh, i gotta i gotta do this i gotta heal this i gotta work with this plant i gotta do this everything's gonna change and it's it's just the plants don't take you on that path you know they take you on a really interesting path and so the thorns of a rose plant are representing boundaries and the flower essence can also help with self-confidence self-love uh, it's also really great for children. For children, what I've learned is that when they're transitioning, like there's certain ages where children are transitioning or they're having a transition into a school or with friends that you could start using flower, rose flower essence with your child because children and animals are really sensitive to plants because they don't have all these uh, mental layers wrapped up into it like we do as adults so actually you know we were speaking about plants and animals in the beginning and their nervous system they respond so well to plants and children do too because they're just such raw vessels so flower essences are amazing to work with on animals and children as well yeah, definitely. It's funny. Um, I work with a homeopathic vet for our pets, for our dogs. And at one point early in our um, time together, she said to me, well, homeopathy and flower essences always work on animals because they don't know otherwise. <laughs> and it was kind of a joke. She kind of said it tongue in cheek, meaning that, like you said, we have these sort of mental blocks where, you know, at some point in our lives, maybe somebody says, well, that's never going to work. Or why would, why would you even consider taking something like that? And so a lot of times we push that to the side when really there's so much more to be discovered and explored within these different realms and modalities. And 
Um, I want to also maybe just for people who aren't familiar with the term dieta, um, I want to expound on that a little bit because it's it's basically um, a Spanish uh, version of the word diet, right? And it's mm -hmm. it's when you diet with a plant over a certain period of time. And this is used a lot in plant ceremonies, especially with master plants, but it can be done with any plant. And oftentimes it means that you are also being more strict with your actual diet of the food that you eat and the, the beverages that you drink. So more likely than not, and correct me if I'm wrong, this would entail less caffeine or no caffeine, um, no alcohol, more bland foods, foods directly from the earth in their most whole uh, form and that sort of thing. Does that sound, is that like a good accurate description? Yes, Anna Claire, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, this is something that um, you and I may uh, offer in our offerings. Mm -hmm. um, if people, you know, people will find out more of what we offer as a, as co-partners, co-business mm -hmm. partners. Um, but dieta, yeah, diet, dieta is just the Spanish word for diet. And so a lot of people will work with master plants and do like a plant dieta and that's beautiful as well. But, you know, you often, you oftentimes you have to go be somewhere at a retreat center and be immersed in that for like a month. And it's a more highly in depth where you need to be with uh, a guide, like a shaman or something to really facilitate that. But um, if you're working with other plants, in your area, then what you would do is you could do, you could do a week, you could do a month. I like to do a month. Um, if I'm really going to do it just where I work with that one plant for a month and you're basically, your diet's about the same, except for you're not, you're going to have a cleaner diet, like what you were saying, and you're going to try and stay away from sugar and no caffeine, no, so basically you don't want to ingest any other plants because you're working with one plant to really get to know the spirit of this plant. And so if you were making a tea with like five different plants, you wouldn't know what plant you're connecting with. So it's, it's gaining a deeper connection with the plant while at the same time, when you have a really clean diet and you're not eating like lots any processed food and sugar and these things that can block our subtle body energy, then you can really tune in to the energy of the plant and the messages of the plant. And this is when the, the plant can really give you teachings of, it's like when you go sit and meditate with the plant, you can get a sense of what the plant is used for if you're able to drop into that energy. And it takes practice, you know, we have to practice these meditations it's not like you're just going to sit down and the plant's going to tell you mm -hmm. so as you do a diet with this plant where you would make a tea and drink that tea every day or you could do a plant bath with the plant but I prefer working with like a tea and then including a plant bath um, you know at according to what you can manage like once or twice a week but the tea would be every day and and journaling about your process. And it's really an amazing uh, self-healing empowerment tool that people can use in their how. They can be in their home. They don't have to go 
fly and go to do this retreat and spend all this money, they can actually just sit in their house, arrange it to their schedule and have their journal and really go through their process with the plant. And I always recommend that people start with a plant they're really called to, you know, obviously not a poisonous plant. We want to make sure you're working with <laughs> a plant that is, you know, okay to work with. Um, and, and just go into the journey. And this is a form of empowerment for people, I feel, because you're doing it. It's self-healing. It's self-healing. And, and it's really simple. You know, some things that may be difficult are, you know, restricting if you're a caffeine drinker, but you could start small. And, you know, granted, if you have you drink coffee we don't want to just like be like no caffeine and you get these crazy headaches so you mm. could find what works for you maybe you lessen your caffeine if you have to drink coffee because it's just going to be too much to just come off of it you know sometimes you have to really structure your life where maybe you're not working to get to come off these um addictions in a way the caffeine and all that so what people i recommend people do is just cut down your caffeine intake. I mean, I would prefer the sugar be taken out. And if you have to do a little caffeine, then that's okay. So, you know, you bend, you be flexible and you just be gentle with yourself. And what can you do? Can you, instead of drinking maybe three cups of coffee, can you maybe just have one cup of coffee and then you do your rose tea? So, you know, it depends on the person, how you would set it up and that, you know, if, it's beautiful because if, if we offer, when we start offering this, that we'll be able to guide them through it, Anna Claire. So, and yes, definitely. I think that's a, that's a really good point too, is, is for people to be gentle with themselves, like you say, and to, to meet themselves wherever they are in the moment. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, you're not going to necessarily have the best experience if you quit coffee, cold Turkey, and all of a sudden your next week is spent with this massive migraine headache, you know, that's going to be a distraction from what you would maybe otherwise receive from the plant. And so, you know, just working with where we are and being gentle with ourselves. And I think that Rose definitely helps to foster that sense of, um, gentle processes and softening the edges because again it's this dichotomy between these soft aromatic beautiful petals and then these thorns um, that have very very strong boundaries and so it's that interplay and it's about finding both of those within ourselves we can be gentle and we can be firm all in one moment and yeah. i think that rose can really help us to open up to this and it engenders um, more full and fulfilling relationships with ourselves and with the people around us too. And one thing I just want to speak to about the dieta or just working with one plant over a certain period of time is that it really does come down to the relationship that you're forming with that plant. And it's almost kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're working or meeting a new person for the first time and you're interested in learning more about them and getting to know them, you're gonna have a lot more success in getting to know them and having that experience together if you're in a quiet place where you can talk and you can ask each other questions. Whereas if you're somewhere like in public and there's a large party and you're trying to meet someone new, 
and get to know them, there's a lot of distractions and you may not really hear what they're saying or you may not be able to understand. And so that's kind of a metaphor that's playing out for me is that when we're able to kind of, you know, take away these extra things in our lives or at least lessen or dampen the distractions, then we're able to really tune in on a deeper level. And I think that once we get to that space, and like you said, it does take practice because life is full of distractions, right? And so we really have to to find that still point within ourselves to even be able to really fully tap into that knowledge. Yes, Anna Clara, I love, I love, you how you spoke to that because it's building a relationship like when you meet a soul partner you meet someone you fall in love with or a relationship it takes time you have to water it you have to water it like a plant right you have to nurture it and I think of rose because and you have to set boundaries and you have to do all this and it takes time like you're not gonna get to know that person in one day like there has to be some sort of courting happening a courtship and so when I you know I've done plant diets with one plant I I feel like it's kind of this um I'm building a, a deep lifelong friendship like you have with the best friend and it takes time and and it's how you really get to know the energy of that plant. And you, and everyone's gonna have a different experience with different plants, even on the scientific level of how plants like rose helps us medicinally, we gotta also look at the constitution of the person on what, how I would formulate a formula for them. I would be putting in other herbs that maybe you wouldn't get at Anna Claire. So it's, it's um, the, the diet really helps people to just tap into their own inner wisdom of what the plant is speaking to them because this rose humpy rose has been helping me heal all these aspects of my feminine and i use it for medicine as well as tea and um but it it's going to have different messages for someone else it just depends where you are in your spiritual process and what your your soul is really calling for and so that's the beautiful thing about uh all plants you know and it it there's a there's a scientific botany part there's a spiritual part there's the essence flower essence part of the plant so there's all these different ways you can work with a plant to heal what you need to heal if it's physical emotionally and spiritual so it encompasses it all. And so thank you for, yeah, developing a friendship takes, it takes time. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for slowing things down in this fast paced world that we live in. And I think a lot of us have really come to recognize that, especially over the last year, we, sometimes we don't have a choice and we have to slow down and maybe it takes illness or something big happening in our lives for us to realize that. So the more that we can, you know, get ahead of those situations and take time each day to slow down, even if it's just for five or 10 minutes, just some sense of resetting our parasympathetic nervous systems and checking in with ourselves. And it's funny because this has apparently become a theme about some of the the topics that we've been discussing in recent podcasts with Sage and Spirit. And 
you know, I think it keeps coming up for a reason because it's something that we really all do need to, to find the time to create the time and, and carve it out of each and every day to really tune in with ourselves and who we are and, and how we feel without all of those constant distractions. And, and it's not always easy, you know, for sure. And especially, you know, if people are super busy with work and family life and everything else that comes up, you know, it can be a challenge. Um, but it's also one that I think is very rewarding on so many levels, including for our physical health, because as you and I know, anything that happens on any level, um, you know, the experiences in our lives, whether they're emotional, psycho-spiritual, they all end up playing out in our physical realm if they're not tended to. And, and that's something that's come up in, in actually quite a few of my recent podcast interviews, but I think it's it's happening for a reason because this is something that's really important for all of us to understand and recognize at this juncture. Yeah. And so I know that we've talked a, a lot about some of the different ways that people can incorporate rose into their lives. And for some people, maybe doing a diet or a dieta is a really great place to start. Um, but also, you know, like you said, just making a tea with rose and you can do this with the fresh or the dried petals. Again, you always want to make sure you're getting organic unsprayed because nobody wants to be drinking pesticide tea and, um, bathing with roses, such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you can use rose water. Um, what are some of the other favorite ways that you like to work with rose other than the flower essence and the tea? So I, yeah. I love working with it in baths and I do a lot of hair rinses like um, Olympia's mm. energetic clearings with like bucket baths opposed mm. to, you know, a bath is a little, a bath is just something that you want to be sensual or you just want to relax and be in a bath. But when you do like a bucket bath that has specific plants in there to clear energy, it's a different, you don't so much, get in the tub of water you do it more where you're pouring the, the concentrated tea over your head as you stand in the shower and it's just clearing all the energy right so that's how i work with i mean i do take rose plant i do take plant baths to really just relax enjoy but when i want to work on like a olympia like clearing the energy i will make a rose um tea in a big pot and then you know, pour it over my head and just say a prayer and my, you know, call in what I need to call in what I want to clear myself of. But also I like to use it for my hair. Like when I wash my hair, I do plant rinses. So I'll make like a tea of all like chamomile and rose and rosemary. Um, horsetail, it strengthens your hair, it has a lot of silica. And so I'll, I'll use like those four plants and I'll use it as a hair rinse. So not, I won't use shampoo every time. Sometimes I'll use shampoo and then rinse it with the hair wash, the, the tea. But a lot of times I'll just use it as like, just cleaning my hair and it adds, it strengthens your hair. And so I use it in that, that way as well. And I also, um, Oh, I actually just learned um, from here in Peru, uh, the, the, the older women 
if they know you're going to have a baby, like my friend had a baby in the village in the small town, and it's like the whole town knows she's having the baby, right? And all the older women from the mountains and the, the community were bringing her rose petals every day for the baby. Wow. So here in Peru, you never would just, you would never put soap on your baby, your newborn baby. And you want to wait, a, I think they wait like a few days before they even give the baby a bath. And you, every day they're having rose baths because the roses are helping them come into, they're not in their body yet. They're not fully landed into this world. And it's like a, here they use the humpy rosas and they just like immerse this baby in a bath, the newborn. And they just like have, it's just like a way of celebrating that spirit coming into the world with the, with Rose and really, I have such a beautiful story wow. because she, my friend was telling me like, every day they would every morning they would pick the roses and bring me roses and I would give she would give her son a, her newborn baby a bath and she said he would literally just like he would literally just fall asleep in the bucket like the little basin <laughs> like he would just like she said he would and I was like you know so it's really crucial for um plant baths for babies is the rose mm -hmm. and so I thought it was really interesting for in Peru, everyone has different traditions, but that they, the, the bath for the newborn is rose, the hampi rosa. That is so. like the sweetest thing I've heard. That's so adorable and, and just feels so special too. What a, what a wonderful way to be welcomed into the world with this beautiful rose medicine and that softness and, and yeah. anchoring of the spirit. I really love that. And <clears throat> it's funny. It, it makes me think too. Um, I have a my first little niece on my side of the family was born back in December of last year, and she had some sniffles and and that sort of thing in um, a few months ago. And I sent my brother and sister in law and sister in law some chamomile tea for her. And I said she's a little young to have it internally because she is only like four months old, three months old. Um, but you know, you can make a cup of the tea and pour it into her bath and see, see how she does with that. You know, it might just make her feel a little more relaxed because they were like, this girl just likes to stay up all night. She does not like to sleep. So I was like, yeah, just put it in, in her bath and, and see how it goes. And they sent me a video and they were like, she just giggled and cooed through the whole bath. She loved it so much. And I guess she really loves bath time anyway. And then they said that she also slept really well that night. And I just it made my heart really happy just to know that that they were able to find some peace that she was able to find some peace and also just this idea of bathing with plants is is so beautiful to me and i know that when i do that i really enjoy it and i feel a huge difference and i love too that you mentioned the the limpias with the plants the cleanings the clearings and cleansings and um you know i have I've had a rose limpia before with actual roses on their, you know, intact roses, um, but I haven't actually done it in the way that you're describing with making a strong concentrated tea and then pouring it over my head. So I am very excited to incorporate that into my practices because it just sounds so lovely and clearing and 
you know, I'm just, I'm like kind of laughing inside because we're both like, yeah, I used to have this aversion to Rose and now I just can't think of anything sweeter, you know, and more fitting, um, just for, for all of us really. And, and also to kind of go back to what you were saying about how anytime that you notice you have an aversion to a plant, it's you've, you've come to learn that that's an opportunity for you to lean into it even more rather yeah. than turning away from it. And I think that, again, that really speaks to our experiences in life itself, where sometimes the things that really help to grow us and shape us can be difficult to, to look at in the face, um, you know, or to, to really go into and, and it's about finding comfort within the discomfort and in that space, oftentimes there's a lot of growth and expansion and we're able to come out on the other side feeling renewed in some way because we've had that experience and because we have found that courage within ourselves to face what we thought we didn't really want to in the first place. Yes, I I agree with you. And it's... It, the plants can take you on a journey, you know, and it's just about getting to your edge. Everyone has their comfortability of their edge, right? Mm -hmm. And if we can push our edges a little with these aversions or maybe look at these edges, then this is where the healing can come when we can just like, just rub, you know, like just rub up against the edge. And so, you know, with Rose, I've been on a journey and I started getting curious, you know, I started getting curious about why do I have an aversion to a plant when I'm, I'm obsessed with plants. Like, this is crazy, you know, <laughs> right? like I should love all plants. Like, come on, what's wrong with you? And then I started being so hard on myself, but then, you know, then I started being gentle and being like, okay, well, let's look at this. There's some, there's a deep layer. There's something that wants to um, be healed. And so, yeah, there's so many different ways to work. You know, we, we're speaking about um, Rose today, but this can, you know, this can really play out for uh, all plants on how you work with them. And um, so that's, yeah, I work with Rose in the, in different ways, but most recently, you know, the flower essence, which the flower essence also is, helps us feel safe. Mm -hmm. And we like, I think it's just beautiful in these times, like to be cradled and feel safe, right? Like when, when the walls are crumbling next to you in your life, or, you know, we've all gone through ups and downs in our lives. And when when we've been in those moments where it feels like the walls are just crumbling and you're fully vulnerable and exposed, I personally would call upon Rose to really just mm -hmm. help you feel safe in those times because a lot of times your aura and everything just feels really weak and vulnerable. And in and, and most native traditions, at least in Peru and Mexico, when you're going through a deep transformation or you're just going through a hard breakup or your life is really changing they you want to cover yourself with a shawl they don't just cover themselves with a the shawl because they're cold it's it adds an extra layer of auric protection so I look at at roads like that 
like that mm. that shawl that that shawl that can really keep your keep things safe and held in right and that that kind of brings it back to the whole idea of boundaries like you were talking about before and when we when we were able able to have stronger boundaries then we're able to also have greater discernment between what is ours and what's not ours what's you know going on around us or in the outside world and sometimes especially for people who identify as empaths or highly sensitive people or you know they they are able to somehow tune into the energy of others without even trying to do so a lot of times it can be a challenge to know what's ours to process and what we're actually picking up from someone else so i think that working with these plants in particular rose and setting these boundaries it's almost like what you're saying it kind of envelops us in this circle and in this space where where we're really able to sit with where we are and who we are and to discern what we might need in that moment and where to go from there so i really appreciate that and you know <laughs> I feel like when it comes to rose and plants, we could go on for <laughs> days and days and days, um, which is kind of the point of the podcast, you know? So um, I know that for, for people who aren't familiar with the work that Sandra and I have been doing together, we'll talk about this more in the coming months, um, but we have planned a plant-based spiritual retreat for Peru. And we were going to go last year, but as we all know, things changed a little bit with plans for last year. So we are rescheduling our retreat. So we will definitely be talking about that more in the coming months as we get more and more of those details together. And also that being said, we would love to do, I would love to do more podcasts with you. And I know we've talked about that. So we'll definitely make sure that we reconnect on the podcast here in the near future. And we can keep talking about the plants that we both love and work with. And, um, but really, I just wanna thank you so much for being here today and for taking this time out of your day to discuss the beauty and medicine of the rose and to share with us about this beautiful rose from Peru that I can't wait to come and meet in person. And um, before we close today, I have just a couple of last questions for you. And the first one is, I know that people would love to hear more about what you do and your different offerings in the world. I know sometimes you do virtual Zoom classes and working with the plants and different ways that people can do this on their own at home. And so what's a good way for people to find you? Yes, thank you for asking that. I it's been a little challenging for me to market myself. So this is a whole new realm that- Oh gosh, tell me about both, it. <laughs> both of us are navigating. Like, how do you market yourself? Yes. So I've had a website, um, my company that I've started maybe um, five, six years ago um, is Osha Maez Herbal. And I'm sure you'll type that in the show notes for people to just click on. Yes, definitely. So that's my website and I have uh, Zoom classes that I offer. I have a herbal PD. I have some stuff that you can purchase on there. But since I live in Peru, I sell my medicine and make my medicine in, in the Sacred Valley. So I sell my medicine here, um, but I don't ship to the U.S. Um, but I've kind of traveled, been on a journey traveling around with my business. So it kind of takes the form and shape of 
where I'm at, but mostly I'm really dedicated to working with um, women and making yoni steams for people. And so that's what the direction I've been moving towards lately is helping mamas and babies and just creating beautiful baths to really heal the womb and postpartum yoni steams that I sell here. And then I also have done some plant walks here in the area and I offer full moon workshops. So that's what I'm doing in Peru. But as far as what I've just started is a Patreon. So I started a Patreon and that would be put in the show notes where you could click on it. And I have five different tiers where if people pay the lowest tier is $3 a month. And if you're really interested in diving deeper, then I offer some Zoom classes for depending on what tier you're on. So that's where I'm at right now. The Patreon thing I just started about a few weeks ago. So that's something that if you're interested, just hop on there and it's going to be all kinds of juicy material. And I, I share a lot about my um, pilgrimages to these places that have called me. And so I get personal in the Patreon and I, I think uh, personal about some my experience and my depth with plants. So yeah, if you're interested in that, hop on over there. Perfect. I'm so glad you mentioned Patreon because I was going to, if you didn't, (laughs) Um, but yeah, such a great way to connect. And then people, you know, they have the choice. They can interact on whatever level feels best and most accessible for them in the moment. So I think that's really beautiful. And then the last question I have for you today is one that I ask all of my podcast guests, and that is, what is nourishing you at this point in your life? Maybe other than Rose, because we know that we know that <laughs> yeah. Rose is nourishing you too. But what else is maybe nourishing you in this moment? Ah, oh, what's nourishing me? You know, living here has nourished me in so many ways. But at the moment, just slowing down, getting still, getting still, so that I can really listen to what the mountains are teaching me and where they're guiding me but lately what's been coming up for me um and it's been nourishing it's been an actual question but you know maybe this is like some sort of mental but more of a question from my heart is uh am i thriving like am i thriving Mm. and am I flourishing so by these two questions popping into my heart over the last few weeks has brought some nourishment to me because it's helped me look at what's not nourishing me that needs to be let go of so yeah I don't know no, that I love that. Like how how beautiful that a question can be nourishing and that, and that's a very different response than anyone's given so far and I really I appreciate that because um it just goes to show that anything, you know, well maybe not anything, but a lot of different things can be nourishing to us just yeah. depending on where we are and what we need in the moment. So I love that, that these questions that have been popping into your heart, like you mentioned, are actually nourishing you because they're, they're helping you to find 
what feels best for you with where you are now. So thank yeah. you for that. And maybe, maybe there's some that the rose flower essence I've been working with is popping these questions into my heart. So, right, yeah. but it's nourishing me because it's make, yeah. So thank you for the question. Cause I was like, it's, it's a heart question that's nourishing me at this moment. So mm. thank you. Ooh, I love that. Awesome. Thank well, you. thank you, Sandra. Thank you so much for being here. I always enjoy talking to you and I'm so grateful to have this platform to, to share our conversations with others. And as we mentioned, we'll be doing more of that in the coming months. So I very much look forward to that. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day in the sacred Valley of Peru. Thank you. Sending you Apu love. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.